after further reveal. Welcome in everybody. Episode 15 of After Further Review. Chase, Ryan, and Ben here looking to get into it after the Sixers giant loss to the Celtics. Let's get our instant in, our instant reactions to the Sixers loss. I honestly I just don't want to talk about it. I I haven't watched anything or read anything, any type of sports related still since this has happened. It's been about a week, and I'm just beyond pissed, disappointed, sad, like anything ever. It's it's worse. It's worse. Yeah, I think since Kawhi's last-minute shot to knock us out of the playoffs, I think this is the most hurtful series I've watched, which is saying a lot because Ben Simmons really did us a number last year. But this one just really hurt because we were talented. We had enough people and just didn't put out. We didn't have it. We had the MVP of the season. We couldn't really reach that goal. Yeah, I think it's tough when you traded away Simmons and you had Harden come in and these are the moments you needed him to step up and you had the same issue in the fourth quarter where they just didn't get the production from the number two guy basically on the team, Harden. Yeah, I mean, roster top to bottom, you have some savvy vets. P.J. Tucker played pretty well throughout the playoffs, could have done probably a little bit more, but even game seven, he had a good spark. James was definitely quiet more than he wasn't. And at least from your number two future Hall of Famer, former MVP, you want like consistent like 22 and eight at least wealth of decent shooting and free throws. And he was so up and down. And I just I'm so pissed that it was against Boston and Tatum, who basically sucked all series long, has this NBA magical game seven, just like Curry does. No one in the history of the NBA ever drops 50 in a, in a game seven, ever, ever. And of course, now it happens twice. And I, I strongly dislike Tatum so much. And we lost to Boston in the second round now for the, like, the second or third, no, the third playoffs in like six years. I'm tired of losing to them. We always lose to them. They have the best game seven record in the history. I don't care. I don't care. Doc, you're up three, two. Find a way. I'm sorry. I'm not since, sorry. Since the Celtics made the change to put in Robert Williams, so they're starting lineup in game six. Doc has didn't respond in game six or seven. And I think that was really a testament to him just being resistant to doing anything i mean he came out in game five and made a good good roster change and it obviously helped the team and then game six it was like he was felt complacent almost in it and that's tough boston obviously just wanted it more and that's hurtful to say but they did they really wanted it like we came out we punched them in the face and then they came back held us to 80 points in game six and then went up in game seven and obviously tatum did his thing but still they were they were beating us handedly and Robert Williams didn't even have that big of an impact in the second half of game seven. He basically came in the first half, had his dumb alley-oops, which he couldn't defend for anything, which is embarrassing to for, like, say, because Robert Williams is in there for two things. He's going to get the rebound and he's going to get his alley-oops. He's going to get the rebound on offensive defensive parts. And the, we would literally just in the first half, just take a shot and run away, not even get the second chance points or anything like that. And I don't, how do you expect to win when you're not even you're down by 10 and you're not even going to follow up your rebound and Boston's going to take that and not even score a transition, waste the clock and then drop points on you. So it was just a slow strangling death for us in game seven. Yeah. I mean, that was basically, I don't even, I'm not going to judge Joe Mazzola, the Boston Celtics head coach a whole ton because he's still new, but that was kind of like a miniature second half of the series adjustment for him. But I mean, it was a pretty, those starting five play well together, but Al Horford, he can go kick rocks. He was on the Sixers for multiple years, acting like he was washed up. He was too old to play. He couldn't rebound anymore. He couldn't play the heavy minutes and he comes out playing like an all-star every time, every time he plays the Sixers, like he has something to prove like, dude, we paid you good money to come here and help us win. So first off, he can go kick rocks. The Boston Celtics team, I hope they get swept by Miami. I know they're probably going to go back to the finals. So whoever comes out of the West, 
I would literally cheer for the Lakers, I think, at this point. That's saying something because Boston and Philly have hated L.A. for since the beginning of time. Boston's trash. Doc Rivers, to shift gears now to the Sixers, he – I do not care that coaches always get blamed for his chase. He was riding Daniel House because of that one game when he had 10 points, like you said. He was riding him in game six and game seven. Dude, move on. He hasn't been in the rotation yeah. all year. He helped us get one win. See what your other options are. Please, 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 for the love of everything, get Maxi and Tobias Harris more involved. The only time they were actually aggressive were on fast breaks or in transition where there wasn't a set play. It wasn't the hard and dribbling and pick and roll with Embiid. Like, Maxi's super young. Tobias is the fourth option. They're not going to go out demand the ball when Joel Embiid and James Harden are on the court. Doc Rivers, make more plays for them instead of Tobias Harris sitting in the corner all day long. Honestly, Doc and James Harden, I just, I wasn't super huge fans before and them just losing this type of series this way, it doesn't help at all. Obviously, if James comes back, I'm still going to support him. I have no idea what's in store for that, but complete garbage of a fourth quarter in game six and that third quarter in game seven was the worst thing I've ever watched in my life. Yeah, they came out flat and with no adjustments. And the thing that bothers me the most is I was screaming, get and beat the ball, get and beat the ball. And then they forced them beat the ball like six times. Like literally, there was like a bunch of plays where they had possession and just kept forcing them to beat. And I was like, okay, not every freaking time, but like, just there was no flow it just felt like it felt like every play it was like well i don't know let's try this let's try this and i was like when maxi would get it he would just run straight to the basket and get fouled or get the bucket and i was like that's what we should be doing like why are we not attacking like i get the pick and roll thing it works sometimes when it's not working what are we doing like there's a point where three guys will be standing in the same corner and it's joel and hard now at the top and it's like what do you expect is going to happen on this play we're going to waste time, then have to give Joel or someone else the ball with like seconds left to make a play and nothing's going to happen. So what do you guys want to do next year? Like, do you want to keep Harden? <laughs> do you want to see another star or another really strong role player come to the Sixers? Do you have a coach you want to see? Um, there. Speaking of coaches, I mean, not just Doc, but coaches get the boot so easily in the NBA. I get Doc, but like, Monty Williams getting fired. I like coaches with success who are talented. They just, there are, uh, uh, there are options out there for you guys. Yeah. I mean, doc, first of all, whether he deserved it or not, I think he did. I did too. I do too. Mm -hmm. The problem with the NBA being such a players league is that players can go get traded. They can do whatever they basically want. So I understand you want to make them as happy as possible and put the blame on anyone else, but them, but Chase, you're right. The offense was so stagnant. It felt like a Ben Simmons offense out there the past couple of years where they just go on like five straight minutes without being able to like any have any fluency on the offensive end. And I mean, I don't – if you want my honest answer, Ben, I want Jimmy – I wanted Jimmy Butler to stay. Oh like, I know you got the – I know you got I've, the, I, you got the whole, jersey. I literally got the jersey when they traded for him. Yeah. This whole time, I, like – and especially because the thing that really bothered me in Game 7 is the third quarter and fourth quarter. Nobody during a timeout just stepped up and became a leader. Like, I didn't see that at all. Maybe the TV didn't show it, but there's always that moment, it feels like, when a team's down in a pivotal game where somebody, like – a Jimmy Butler, somebody just does that. They just step up and have a meeting and they show it. They're like, wow, look at this fiery speech. It really got the team ramped up. And they go on a 10-0 run or something like that. That it never se- happened. It seemed like you guys had that after, like before game five where you had like probably the best game of the playoffs. Um, and then I don't know, like it just didn't stay. Like it just, the energy didn't, didn't keep up in the yeah. next two. Like the, it was like they were afraid because – the Celtics maxed that energy that they had. And it was like, oh, we can't beat them. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? You're in, you know how to beat them because you did it in Boston. You shelled them. It's hard to believe that in the same series, you had both results with the same exact team, with the same exact lineup. And I don't, 
you know, part of it's like the coach, but honestly, I feel like it starts from the organization down. Like everyone's evolved and I feel like they mailed it in for whatever reason. Like, I don't know whose fault it is, but it felt like everyone was on the same page that they weren't ready to go to the next round. And honestly, if they did beat the Celtics and then had to place Jimmy Butler, I feel like he would have had a field day because if there's anyone that can exploit a weakness in somebody, it's Jimmy Butler. Like he'll find it and ruin you with it. And I feel like if the Sixers would have went in and had a meltdown for some reason in the game where they couldn't make shots and nothing's working, Jimmy Butler would have just destroyed us. And that would have been real. It was hard. It hurt to watch them lose to the Celtics, but to have it be Jimmy Butler would just be even worse considering it would be the third round then and every, all this, the narrative and everything. Yeah. I don't know. It, I don't like trying to like use my magic eight ball too much <laughs> into the future here and like, Oh, here's the formula for winning. Cause the, the, the fact is that we have one of the best players in the world, the best player in the world in 2022, 2023, Joel Embiid. I need him to be happy. Obviously, I mean, we have some friends. His body language the past couple of seasons isn't the best, and that's the that's his one flaw, I think, that he just – I don't know if – and Harden fit right into that. They would get down too easily, like you said. And so, like, the main thing is to somehow get Embiid happy. I'm sure it's hard after losing the second round, like, six straight years. Yeah. Minus the bubble year where they got swept in the first round. So, it's hard. I need him to stay because I – absolutely love him i want maxi to say i'm okay with Harden leaving but then you have i mean you're gonna have to find a way to, get to a build star. a team that can can that can be built to win a championship at least get out of the second round but be built to compete for a championship i mean i love jimmy butler i love damian lillard maybe the trailblazers will be bad again and he'll finally one out i don't know what the solution is but i also know that i'm okay with tobias harris staying I know he gets paid a ton of money. It's literally not his fault. He's a great player. And if he's asked to do more, even in his young 30s age now, he still guard, he still can guard the best defenders on the court, do a pretty good job at that, and he can still create his own shot and hit spot-up threes. So Maxi Harden or Maxi Embiid, Tobias, I'm okay with keeping. I mean, even someone like PJ Tucker, like off the bench now next year, but like yeah. it's just these types of situations that I get so scared that they're going to blow everything up. And I'm like, it's just like, like the Jimmy Butler year, just find a way to keep the players you need to keep and build from there. Yeah. And realize your mistakes. And, you know, I kind of get mad of Embiid because he didn't make those leadership things and he kind of had a soft mentality and it's like, but he was also surrounded by losers for a long time. Like Jimmy Butler was really the only person that had a cutthroat mentality. Like, Brett Brown obviously had a loser mentality. He kept Ben Simmons around who had a loser mentality. Like, so I can't really, I wish it was different and he didn't, he could just be resilient in that case and not let that affect him. But it feels like part of that is, is him now. So you almost have to find someone else that's going to be that. And PJ Tucker was that for a little bit, but he can't be now he's older. Like he can't be the face of the franchise or be a part of the face of the franchise. So yeah, it's going to have to be Maxi and beat and possibly Harden again, but you're going to have to find somebody whether or not Harden stays or not, because you're missing a piece that obviously you need, like you need, like right now, I don't see anyone clutch enough to take the last shot either. Like, I think a lot of people are going to take the ball, but I don't really know if they're all clutch enough to make the shot either. You have Kyrie. No, if Kyrie comes to this team, I will actively boycott the Sixers because he's going to destroy this team and then we'll have nothing next year. We'll, well basically be the Brooklyn Nets. I just, this is my last comment. And Chase, you basically hit it on the head again. And just the culture is, is just garbage. The, I mean, we always say the training staff's not that good. The fluency, the reactions, even Embiid all the time, just not looking like he like always wants to be out there. And I love Embiid to death. And that's his only flaw. He can literally do everything on the face of the earth. Oh, gosh, please just figure something out. All right, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who it is. I don't know where they go for a coach, but. I hope Maury does the right thing and brings in somebody that's going to challenge and be to grow. And because he can literally, he's the best center in basketball. If I really wish that they would have played the Nuggets in a series because it would have been great to see him against Jokic. Obviously, Jokic will still put up numbers. I'm not disrespecting that. And he has been this playoff. So 
you can't take that away either. And I know people want to take away Embiid's MVP and give it to Jokic because of their postseason play, but give him the postseason MVP. And you know what? What's better than that is he could win a championship, and it doesn't matter if he was MVP or not. So for Jokic, that's good for him. But I just know that Joel on the court will bang up 99% of every center, like when he gets the chance to go one on one with them offensively and defensively. So it's unfortunate that this is where we're at, but hopefully Maury can figure this thing out i don't know where he goes i have no idea it literally just seems like a giant mountain with no end and my knicks didn't make it but you know we'll trade you randall if you want randall for Embiid. not for Embiid. i just i'll give you randall for like melton and uh 2027 first round pick wait shake or deandre or uh fucking deandre melton yeah by the way ryan we brought up shake mill where the where was he <laughs> what the hell chase i'm calming down over here okay i don't know saying, where where, what the hell like I, I better find out he like blew out his knee or something but like he didn't appear at all and i'm just like they showed a lot of four kind cork mouse he got a lot of tv time but like shake i don't even know if he was there legitimately like i have no idea so ben you, but anyway I mean, sorry about that no, I mean, Ben, your Knicks, I mean, you don't like having a big three of all lefties. It'd be pretty cool to win like that. This team is not built to win, first of all. Let's just be <laughs> real about it. This this was a successful season for the Knicks to get to the second round, and they couldn't have asked for a better matchup. Not that the Heat are easy, but they have a better chance than the Bucks if the Bucks are going on all cylinders. I just don't think Randall is that guy to lead the Knicks to a championship. He's he he's a ball hop he's not always a ball hop but he's sometimes he does not play well he plays kind of lazy he doesn't i mean you guys were just talking about the energy he doesn't yeah have that energy a lot of the time and he'll i watched the first quarter i don't know if it was game like five maybe but there was like six seven plays you could easily just point out of like a lazy pass and like not trying to hustle to the ball and like this is like game it was like game five or sit like game five of the playoffs. Like go for the like dive on the ground to get a ball. Like don't just like, oh well, he yeah. and he just he doesn't have that leadership quality to to really just lead this team. I don't think the Knicks have a number one guy. Barrett's still really young. He's he's good. Brunson, I mean, he lived up to the contract and he's been really good. I'm still not sure he's the number one guy. He had struggled a lot in some of the games. Mm-hmm. But overall successful season i just think the knicks have to move on from randall and i mean you have guys like obi top and who are talented they're just not getting the time to develop like i think they can and should but part of that is tommy t that's a separate issue all right ben two questions here percent chance that julius randall will be a new york nick next season second question percent chance that julius randall wins a championship in his career as at least like a top three guy. So I should know this is is Randall a free agent next year or is it the year after? I should. He know might it. be next year. I think he. Mm, okay. No, I think guy. he might have like one year left. That's what I'm not sure about. Because oh wait, he's got a. It's through the 2026 oh, season. Shit. Oh shit! <laughs> oh, oh no! Oh no! So wait, he like demanded a trade last year, like yeah. right away. Okay, he's probably done at some point. Um, he's, he's gonna probably, be on the he's gonna be on the Thunder next season. Percent <laughs> chance he's there next year? I'm gonna say 75, at least at the start of the year. I could see them at some point, like maybe they get off to like a 15 and 20 start, and they're like, eh, let's yeah. That uh, sucks. They didn't get the pick swap with the Mavericks. Honestly, because you could have taken that pick, what it what it conveyed to the Mavericks. I was like, the NBA is a joke. Of course, it it went to the Mavs. How was it not like some type of like violation on the Mavs to to do what they did because of what they did? Yeah, yeah, they they deliberate. Like, there's no way around. They deliberately just did that to make sure they kept that pick. Like they they, did. They either. They basically blew the a chance at the playoffs just for the pick. For the pick. Like I feel like, yeah. They didn't start any of their starters. Like, I don't understand that. And like in retrospect, now if the Knicks have that number 10 pick, you could trade that and Randall and get something in return. Yeah. And now you don't have that, which is unfortunate, but I don't think Randall's getting a shoot championship either. Speak but speaking of like you said with the draft, um, I don't know if you guys saw that lottery yeah. last night. Pretty yeah, wild. I thought the NBA didn't reward teams for tanking and not for nothing, but 
San Antonio did that thing where they traded other best players and lost a bunch of games and somehow got the first overall pick. Yeah, and this year, not just the first pick, but one of the more high prospects in a hot generational, yeah. Yeah, in a hot minute. Like in the past few years, it's been like, oh, who's going? Like Ben Caro, no one knew he was going one to like the draft night. Yeah. And you have a guy who knows how he's gonna be, but I mean, really strong talent. And of course he goes to Pop, who every time he tanks, he gets a center. And it's really annoying because people are dumping on the Sixers because it's like, oh, this is why you can't win because your best player is a center. And I'm like, literally, because the Spurs are about to draft a center in like two weeks. So how is he not going to be their best player? I think the only other team I was. He's from France, too. I forgot about that. That's such yep. a. I know. Oh, it's my. so annoying. Like yep. the second I saw that Charlotte got the second, like I was like. Seriously, how do the Spurs and everyone talked about it too when they traded Murray? Like, oh, the Spurs are going to tank and get the number one pick, and literally they tanked and got the number one pick. Yeah, and now this is their third overall, third time they've had the overall number one pick. Other and two, literally going to take a center. Yep, David Robinson and Tim Duncan. So they're pretty good track record so far. Yeah, what? What? I mean, why? San Antonio is weird. Where's the love come from? Is it just like? Like, I don't know. Is it just like, oh, okay, here, Pop, you can ride this out, win one more championship, and then finally retire? Or I don't get the power. Like, if you're about to draft, like, I, I get he's talented, but, like, I don't think they're going to win next year. Like, I doubt no. the Spurs are going to be good enough to win. No. So, like, he's really going to see this out for the long haul. Like, I don't know if he's ever going to retire. He might just go one day, and you're like, well, the Spurs need a new head coach today. Because I really thought Becky Hammonds was just going to, like, step in there, and I thought he was going to retire, like, a year or two ago. But yeah, he didn't. I mean, the only other team I would have loved to see him go, uh, Victor, go to would be the Blazers. Like, I know. Yeah. I was, I was low-key hoping for Dame <laughs> on that one. Yeah, since Dame is never leaving Portland, and I'm done trying to persuade him out of that dump. So, he yeah, can enjoy the turmoil of uh, having the fourth overall pick and whatever dumpy center he's gonna get. I'm glad that team like the like the Pistons and like Rockets didn't get the first overall pick. Yeah, um, I think it's good for the NBA that and I don't know because they're historical franchises, and not that Detroit and yeah. Houston are, but. I don't know. I feel like Portland for being a like the northern west coast team brings in a lot of people. Like they've sucked, but for some reason I feel like every time I see a game of theirs, their stadium's packed. Yeah. So. Seattle doesn't have a team. Yeah. Well, you guys already know before the NBA draft happens, we are certainly running a mock draft here. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, see how we do. NBA, I think the first overall pick we're gonna easily get. After that, who knows? Yeah, it should be a slam dunk. Honestly, two might be. That's true. Yeah, I mean, it could be a wild card though. Yeah, because you have Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller, so it depends on if you want legal trouble or a G League. <laughs> yeah, but before we get off the NBA here, I got a quick uh, trivia guy trivia for you guys. So there's six teams to never make an NBA Finals. I want to see if you guys can name them. Oh my gosh! You want to go back and forth, Chase? Okay. Um, oh, I'm ready for, to get some ding, ding, ding. Okay. Right. Okay. All right. I already know. I already know one, Chase. You want us to start us off? Yeah, go ahead. Because I don't know. Charlotte Hornets. Cue it. Okay. All right, Charlotte Hornets. Um, to never make a NBA Finals. Yeah, to never reach the NBA Finals. Indiana Pacers. No. The Sacramento Kings. No. They made a Finals. Apparently. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that number one and two. I was so confident with the Hornets. The Clippers? Yes. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. Ding, ding, ding. They got no banners. Oh, that was, all right. That's pretty crazy with that. The teams that they've had that they've never at least reached. But anyway. Oh, yeah. They just played in a tough time with the Warriors. <laughs> I know. They just happened to match the Spur- up with They the had Warriors. the end of the Spurs <laughs> dynasty, like 20-year dynasty, and the beginning of the Warriors, like 10-year dynasty. <laughs> they just mixed in there. All right, four more. I'll give you a hint for one. I just don't want to. I just don't want to act like an idiot when I say it. Go See, for I'm it. like afraid. <laughs> like the Thunder slash Supersonics. No, no, Chase. Remember, with oh, they made the finals against. Um, oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I just keep thinking of teams, and then I'm like, oh yeah, they won this year. Oh yeah, they won this year. And there's still four more teams. One team's currently still playing. 
Oh, the the nuggets. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's stupid. Um, the, the Nuggets never made it to the finals. Did the Timberwolves make it? Oh, that's another one. Okay, all right. Two more. Why are you pointing a gun? Why are you pointing a gun? Is it? <laughs> I don't know what is that. Is that? It's... Oh, the Grizzlies. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> oh man, there's your sketchy take of the week. I have to further review. <laughs> The Grizzlies. Oh, that's a good one. They've had a lot of good teams. One more. Too. Yeah. One more. One more team. Dang, I started off so high. I just <laughs> fell off the edge. Um, I'll give it to you guys if you don't think of it. Pelicans. Damn. Of course. Yeah, I finally just pulled up like standings. I was like, I feel like I'm blanking on teams, but the Kings. I'm the Kings. <laughs> I'm surprised about. There's a bunch <clears throat> of teams that have been bad for so long. Yeah. I mean, the Hornets were easy. I'm pretty sure, like. They started off. The I feel Bobcats like were garbage. The Bobcats, I think, <laughs> yeah. were 0-8 in the playoffs. I think they got swept in both their playoff series. Wow. That's crazy, though. Yeah. Wow. So the Nuggets are, I guess, the only team that could uh, change that. Yeah. Seems like well, they from, might. Yeah. One quick trivia to different sport trivia here. I'm going to give you guys a quick MLB one, but it's going to be super quick. All right. What? Dive us into the MLB, then. Let's do it. What? There's only one team's field in the, all of the MLB that still has dirt going from the pitcher's mound to the batter's box to home plate. So home plate to the pitcher's mound. There's oh. only one field. Do you know what it is and which team? Um, Isn't it an AL or NL team? AL team. AL team. Well, that's a big hint. For some reason, I want to say the Rays or the Royals. I'm saying like neither of us are right. It is the Tigers. Damn. Comerica Park. Comerica Park. That's the only stadium that still has the dirt from the pitcher's mound to home plate. What's the point of that? No idea. So that's why no team has it anymore. Yeah. I kind of wonder if it screws up with bat like with the hitter. Like, I don't know. Maybe not. Is Toronto still have like just the dirt around the base? Oh, I I think so. Oh, like the circular dirt. Yeah. Like the little circles of yeah. dirt. Or is that just old Minnesota? I think they still do. There was a, I don't know how you guys are feeling about the MLB. I mean, the Mets, I'm not going to even talk about the Mets because they've just been all absolute garbage. So I'm not going to even get into it. <laughs> they, for, they're the highest payroll in all of sports, all the teams. That owner came in and shelled out that money, though. Yeah. How, how, Verlander, how many starts has he made now on the year? Three. Three starts. Does he yeah. have one? Uh, yeah. He just got lit up by the Rays, though. But yeah, another point well, of Rays. So, I mean, the Rays is kind of a tough one. I can't really. Uh... It's true. But I don't know if you guys saw Josh Naylor, the mm. guy in the Indians. From Josh yeah. who? Josh Naylor. 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 I barely know her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a few days ago, he was the first player in the expansion era to hit a go ahead home run in the eighth inning or later in three straight games. What? Just what it was just a crazy Damn. clutch. It, like those are the baseball stats I love to hear. You play 162 games a year, and it's been around for nearly it feels like 200 years, and I love that. Josh Naylor, you are raking. Go for four, big guy. Yeah, that's crazy. He's also a in MLB the show. He's an underrated player. He puts up giant stats. So. I'm not as surprised oh. because in the show, he does put in work. Okay. Yeah, he's like a 25, 890 RBI guy. That's pretty decent. That. I'm a big Weird. fan of uh, J.J. Bleday in the show, I think. I don't yeah, know. His, like, the, his Bleday, big yeah. stance and big, uh, big yeah. strike zone, I feel like I'm hitting some bombs with him. He's a PA guy, I think, from uh, Is he? like mid, mid Pennsylvania. You gotta I don't be really know what to call that. A- James Woods, James Wood or James Woods? Um, oh, yeah. The Nationals. He was part of that trade with Soto. Um, he's been, he's 20 and uh, he's in high A, but he's been, he's in, he's been raking. He's an absolutely rake. No, it's he's not getting James, called up. Bro, soon. James Woods, the actor. <laughs> Ryan's probably bringing out James Woods, the actor right now. <laughs> um, no, but he's been raking and he's doing it at, um, in Wilmington, where like is like a graveyard for hitters as far as like 
like high a like some of the leagues in the minors are kind of crazy for like really strong for hitters or pitchers and that one's like a really tough league for hitters but he's like he's got like an Aaron Judge frame on him so he's probably gonna be making his debut sooner or later probably I called up to at least a double a I could see the Nats not rushing him but I feel like he could be battling for a starting job next year and yeah be a stud I've heard similar things about Jackson Holiday too where uh, yeah, I went up to the Orioles. I don't know his exact stats, but I've heard where they kind of expect him to be up, like maybe at the end of next year. Yeah, we got a uh, Ben. I like you calling this guy out for all our Central PA friends. Let's keep an eye out for when he goes to the Senators and get out to a game. Yeah, no, I would, oh, yeah. I definitely want to see him. The the Nats in general, they have some good talent in their farm system. Yeah, they've been stockpiling a lot of people and. They're a little rough right now to watch, but they have some people coming. When they rebuild, they know how to rebuild. I'll put it that way. They do. You know, going off with some of the standings, the the Pirates, we talked about them a bit a couple of weeks ago, kind of sliding, um, coming back down to earth. The Dodgers have just picked it up to no end and starting to try to run away with the division. Though your Diamondbacks chase still holding strong, and those young guys we talked about in the beginning, like Corbin Carroll, like they're they're pulling their weight. That young energy. Yo, that, 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 um, I don't know. How, I don't want to butcher his name too bad, but the Guriel oh, guy yeah. that they took oh, the risk on that's like, yeah. 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 He's, he's having like a monster start to the year. And I know that he was like basically injured the last two years from the Blue Jays. And yeah. Out of the two people that Toronto traded, Arizona locked out because Teoscar Hernandez for Seattle has been off to somewhat of a brutal start for them. And they they basically revamped their entire outfield. And uh, yeah, Lourdes is one of the leaders and average in MLB. And there's a few people that are up that are leading baseball on average that I, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the year, I would have said no way. I would have said maybe 250 or less. Yeah, like how about like Brent Rooker? <laughs> yeah, Brent uh, Rooker. Dude was a prospect for the Twins that just shit the bed and then went to the A's and having a great year. Um, Solid year. Elias Diaz, Jonah Heim, um, Mauricio Dubon, TJ Friedel, yeah. Masataka Yoshida. I know that's not really surprising, but in a way, yeah. I, there is a difference playing in like a Japanese league and then coming here. And like it seems like there's, I don't know, takes guys a little bit of time to adjust. And he had a rough April, but he's really lit it up since then. I think he's batting over 300 at this point. I don't think anyone expected him to just come right out doing what he's doing. I mean, he's been seeing the ball really well for the yeah. Sox team. And he's a crafty hitter too. Like he's not like, he doesn't just like rely on power. Like he's like a good mix of, you know, contact and just getting on base and doing a lot of stuff. And Jared Kalanick, I know you have a lot of prospects of him from when he was a former Mets prospect, but he's starting to come alive for the Mariners for them, which is kind of big because last year he was gone. He was banished to AAA for a while. Yeah. I mean, he's been hitting, Every every time they brought him up, he would hit like below 200, and it just couldn't keep him up. It's just it's just crazy. First off, there's just like the standings are starting to pan out how they normally are. Like I, I'm gonna keep saying it, the LA, AL East, every team's still over 500, and it's just like, is that division ever not gonna be good? I mean, Ben called it with the A's, yeah, but then I mean, you just got teams that it's just like. The Mariners at 500, I feel like every year they just ride the 500 train like eight games back of a wild card spot and then like, oh, they're going to sneak in or not. And once again, I know we hit hard on Juan Soto but a few weeks ago, but the Padres, they're just like, I mean, they finally had a good season last season, but they just seem like they're below, playing below what they're capable of every time I watch them play. Yeah, Fernando Tatis, dude, share your supplier with the rest of the team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They need it. Yeah, I mean, come on. They're to the point of uh, just copying his style right now, and it's still not even working. Yeah. I mean, also, yeah, if you look, though, at the Padres, like, I, I don't have all that up there right now, but the last, like, three years, the amount of young 
talent they have traded uh, on that team is insane. You could build a full, really solid baseball team with the talent that they've traded. I mean, I know they had one of the deepest systems in the league, but it isn't, it is crazy. Yeah. They burnt it quick yeah. from having being the deepest to probably the shallowest now. Like I think yeah. they only have like one, one or two top 50 prospects, maybe might be banging on that, but Y'all should do a segment when one of you guys gets the Pirates and one of you gets the Padres and you... And Wheel you just, and deal. You just go at it on how many great prospects. You just go back and forth rapid firing how many... If they would have just waited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they sucked anyways during that time. Also, just a quick side note. I know I was talking about the people who were leading baseball on average, but if you looked at the top five pitchers in ERA right now, I would have never guessed any of them to be in there. Right Justin now, it goes... Yeah, it goes Sonny Gray, Alex Cobb, Bryce Elder, Eduardo Rodriguez, and Joe Ryan. Yeah, it's it's really weird. It's really that weird. top five, I would have been like, no. That sounds like the top five and over five ERA. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> this this pitch clock is still messing with people's, it is. people's yeah. velocity and rhythm. And, yeah, oh, I, mean, I know what – yeah. But, no, just looking at the Padres, like – they had their starting lineup, like besides the top four with like Tatis, Soto, Bogart, Cronenworth, they had Matt Carpenter, Odor, like oh. Nelson Cruz, like guys who uh. just are washed up. I don't know. I think some people are injured, but like Austin Knoll is hitting 155 right now. Like just, That's I don't brutal. know. When they traded, that was a big swap between them and the Mariners to bring Austin Nola down. Yeah, granted, it's eight, it's like 90 at-bats, but, I mean, still. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about Elias Diaz and Jonah Heim both having hitting over 300. Yeah, and, and I thought have the, been around. The Padres have had, like, an abundance of catchers over the last few years. Like, we talked yeah. about the Mariners having a bunch one time. Like, they had oh, Austin, yeah. Austin Hedges. Um, Barnes. Yeah, um grandall right grandall was there at some point didn't uh, they trade weren't they didn't they do the deal with the dodgers where they traded will smith for will smith was that a thing or did i yes. just make that up yeah that would no that was legit that did happen right yes will smith the reliever for will smith the catcher yeah and obviously will smith the catcher is far better than will smith the reliever I mean, they got that guy, Ethan Salas, I've mentioned in this in spring training, who oh, was a, yeah, like 16 yeah. year old, but he's like not even on like low A yet. So, yeah, at least three years. <laughs> <laughs> and he Keep better be out. cooking during that time for three years to be called up. Yeah. Also, I just wanted to talk. I hyped up Sandy Alcantara at the beginning of the year, and he is off to a brutal start right now. And Oops. it's so bad that Patrick Corbin, who everybody dumps on, Everybody, especially if you're a better, you bet against Patrick Corbin. Right now, Patrick Corbin has a four six five ERA in about and fifty ish innings. Santi Alcantara has a four nine one ERA. And part of that, innings. part of that though, is didn't Alcantara just get lit up like in he the last did. start? Didn't he give up like eight runs? He, but like on the season as a whole, he's definitely not been like as effective yeah. as he was. I mean, last, I mean, the past two years, he's been like. He doesn't have a young worthy, so doesn't have his battery mate Pablo Lopez with him anymore. Yeah, it's affecting him. Not that Luis Arias hitting 380 is bad either, but no, but I feel like Sandy, like some of his pitches are just like flat almost. Like it seems like he's been a guy who's pitched a lot of innings, and it's because he pitches nine innings a lot of time. I mean, we talked about Dontrell Willis off camera a couple weeks ago how the marlins just killed him yeah. with innings and hopefully they learn from those mistakes with when they have the talent and they're not you know they're pitching in these complete games and that's all great but they're not in a position to be in contention i know they're a 500 right now but they're not necessarily playing for a championship <laughs> right and it's like it's hype and i love seeing stats of guys like nolan ryan or mm. people in the past that went like yeah a season where they went nine, 10, 11 innings. And it's like, that's great. But I also realized a lot of these guys can't last because they're throwing far harder than anyone has ever thrown in the past. So it's kind of unrealistic to think that a lot of guys can go out and throw nine innings for an entire season and not have that affect them. Or Corbin Burns only going five innings for all the starts and being like a Cy Young <laughs> candidate. But 
I oh, mean, yeah. the Rays, they don't, they don't let their pitchers go far, and Corbin Burns and all these people are like five innings now. And yeah. It's like that's kind of hard to judge a Cy Young-worthy pitcher on seeing a rotate, like seeing a lineup only once or twice. It wouldn't surprise me if in the next like three years we go back to like a someone like an Eric Gagne who won Cy Young, like having one of those really dominant relievers win a Cy Young. Yeah. I mean, I could see it. I mean, there's people who could be in contention. Yeah, the dude for the Orioles this year has been on absolute fire. Yeah. Oh, oh, I know. Baby. Yeti or Cano. Yo, do you have I got Cano and Batista yeah. in, my, in my fantasy baseball league, and that one-two punch is just nasty. They're basically going to have to swap at some point. Bautista's getting raked as a closer, and Yeni or Cano's been virtually unhittable. Which is crazy because at the beginning of the year, he got option because he didn't have great command. And they brought him back up. Yeah, dude, he has been pounding the play with his sinker. And yeah, he's nonstop. He's really cocky, too. He looks a lot like Chapman when he pitches. Like, he just does, like, glances and dances, and you know, which is great yeah. until you give up a bomb, and then you're back to square one. Yeah, I mean, all his, like, percentile rankings. By the way, I've no, if you've ever used – if you've never used baseball savant, I don't know if you've ever used a chase. No, it is a, pull it up right now. It is a like stat nerds dream. Is it free? Yeah, it's free. And it basically okay. gives you it basically gives you percentile rankings for any player, like active player. So it'll it's like on a one to hundred scale. And oh. it has like it's basically like exit velocity, like like barrel percent, like all that stuff, and like chase rate. But so you see like where a player is in relation to the league. Um, so it's not like normal stats, but it's really lit and it does it's for totally free. Oh, it's uh, like a turnaround of my fantasy team coming. But Cano is like the top percentile with all of his like his stats and basically just um, besides basically his fastball spin, which really with if the other numbers are fine doesn't really matter that's but crazy anyway, though just, just something to look at at some point chase you would you can go down a rabbit hole and yeah. just cool stuff on uh, it for sure. i just pulled it up right now okay <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna yeah, be spending some time with this later <laughs> but yeah so moving on um ufc i mean it feels like in the last i know we haven't touched on it in the last few weeks but it feels like there has just been not just ufc mma like tons of news just and like fights being announced just pouring down. Yeah, from the top. And uh the biggest news of all is Francis Ngannou finally finds a new home in the PFL, which is the seasons they do one year, um, a million dollar tournament. Obviously, he has a bigger contract and he's gonna be a highly paid fighter and also be able to do boxing matches as well. Yeah, did so, you see his contract? No, like, I don't. I don't know the specifics at all, really. So a couple. I didn't see the specifics, but like a couple of things. It's only for two or three fights. Okay. Um, and it guarantees him a high seven-figure purse for each fight. It doesn't say specifically. It just says a high seven-figure purse. All right. Uh, like you said, he can box. Um, he has a right to have his own sponsors in the cage. Which is big because the UFC, yeah, um, you know, blocked that a few years back when they signed with Reebok. He's getting a signing bonus or some type of salary to serve as an African brand ambassador for the PFL. Oh, wow. There's, and then basically a minimum salary for his opponent as well is in there. Okay. Um, so, so it seems like they're going to do like a boxing style thing with him where it's like find better yeah. heavyweights to match up with him and then have that be a showcase event. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to get the competition there, but honestly, like, I think he got a lot of what he wanted based on hearing him talk. Um, just, I mean, maybe he can, you know, with the ambassadorship, he can probably help um, try to grow MMA and maybe in Africa. And also then he gets to box on top of these guaranteed purses. He can get even a bigger one with some big fights. I saw, I think Anthony Joshua said, if he didn't get something soon. That they would match up. Yeah. That's cool. And uh, I'm glad he's getting paid well, too, because I know the UFC, a big knock on them is they don't pay very well, and it's true, they don't. And they don't allow sponsorships. So everything that Nganu got is everything that the UFC doesn't really currently allow. So it's good for the sport in a way, for the people fighting, because, I mean, it's a risky thing. You could be one fight in and then lose it, and then you can't ever fight again, and that could ruin your potential careers outside of the octagon, too. But 
That's cool. And I'm glad he's going to like be in mixed martial arts still because I felt like a part of me when he left the UFC, I thought he was only going to be a boxer from now on, but it seems like he's going to take some boxing fights while he's still rehabbing his knee injuries. And then once that's healed, he's going to be back in a cage fighting. So it's a win for combat sports. Yeah. I mean, it kind of stinks that it seems like Dana White closed the door on him ever, like ever coming back. Yeah. But um, it's pretty cool to we'll still get to see him in a in a you know really competitive league. Yeah, and who knows the UFC could cut people now and then or Bellator, yeah. and something could come together. I'm sure, or he comes up with a deal where it's like a boxing fight one one you know where people always say that hypothetical hypothetical thing where it's like oh box and then go in the cage like that could maybe happen now like maybe, with this maybe. contract. Maybe Jones, after a Stipe fight, retires and then does a one-fight PFL deal and fights Ngannou. I don't yeah. know. And that's how it happens, and Dana White would be ultra pissed about Dude, that. Dude, if that's how it happened, that would be so insane. <laughs> I'm sure that PFL is like, because John Jones has mentioned possibly that's retiring what yeah. soon. So. Dude, if, I mean, if they just offer him like, hey, no strings attached, big purse, one fight yeah. with, with Jones or with Ngannou, like, dude, that would, that would be a yeah. massive massive event and pfl would it'd probably be their biggest fight ever yeah it would be and, it would be. and they're growing their talent i mean they had kayla harrison as a cornerstone Clarissa Shields they brought in there yeah so they've been developing people and francis Ngannou, obviously i mean he was the ufc heavyweight champ when he walked away so it's not like they're getting some cast away or someone who's on the back end of their career i mean francis is in his prime right now so big one for the PFL. It sucks though that all the talent isn't there. So they're gonna yeah. they're gonna have to be creative with their matchmaking for him. And with some other fights that were announced, we had UFC 291. Um, a couple couple cards away, but I don't know if you got a chance to see that. Yeah. Holy shit, I'm excited for that one. Yeah, it's loaded. The BMF belt. Now that Jorge Masvidal's retired, I guess they can put this belt back into circulation. So they book it. Wondering with... what they were doing with that. I just thought they kind of got rid of it. Like I didn't know. Yeah, I thought it was a one-off thing, but I guess now that Nate Diaz and Jorge are both out of the UFC, they have to give it to someone. So they choose Dustin Poirier and Justin Ga- or Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje as the matchup. I feel like that's well deserved for both people. I mean, That's, two scrappers, they fought before, and I'm pretty sure Poirier knocked him out. Um, but, I mean, at this point in their careers, Gaethje's obviously at the top. He's been fighting for the belt. He's a true contender. Poirier, same thing. Um, you know, he's game for any fight, so... Yeah, I mean, really, that's like, one of those really good fights that you don't get many, like, second fights, non-title fights. Yeah. Um, and Poirier and Gaethje just matches up so well. Both those guys are just going to punch the shit out of each other for five yeah. rounds i know that's what you can officially call a scrap where you're like okay these guys are game yep. no bs they're probably going to be in the middle for most of this probably minimal grappling like yeah. they want this to be a full-on kickboxing fight and that's the best result the ufc could ask for yeah now hopefully everyone stays healthy and the second fight on that card jan blahovich alex perhera Alex Pajeda makes his debut at light heavyweight against somebody who can throw absolute nuclear bombs at him. So great matchup again. This card stacked from the top to the bottom. Yeah, Blahovich getting a run at Adesanya and now Perea. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just think I don't seeing what happened to Adesanya when Blahovich fought him. I just I know Pereira's a big dude. Like he's he was huge for that division. But I just wonder is like you said Blahovich clips him with a couple like he's got to respect that power he can't do what he tried to do with that Asanya and be like oh I don't I don't care about your power right and he's probably the far like far strongest fighter he's ever going to be in the cage with I mean just by the size and Blahovich is a he is a bomb like to try to grapple him and I mean he's a good wrestler you show that against per um against Izzy so yeah uh, yeah and match yeah. Yeah, no, I was gonna say match three, Paul Costa making his return. After, yeah, we're talking uh, about nukes. I mean <laughs> Paul Costa, I know there's been some obviously negative feed around him because he's backed out of fights and since his knockout loss to Israel Adesani has basically been nobody. So this is a big fight for him to get back on there. They believe in him, they can bring him a match on the main card. 
against people who you know are going to be throwing punches. So he's going to have to live up to it, or, or else he's going to be very overshadowed on this card. I don't, I don't really know about that fight. I'm, I'm kind of torn. Um, I haven't seen enough of Ikram Alskarov to, yeah. to really get a judge, um, but I'm excited for it. I mean, just in recent history, Paulo Costa versus Yoel Romero was easily one of the craziest fights I've ever watched. You're watching two superhuman people yeah. with outrageous bodies, like people who you can't believe are in a cage throwing punches and knees at each other are winging basically metal pipes at each other. Um, craziest fight. So if you want to watch some insane fight highlights, check that up on YouTube. Um, going to match four, this card's loaded. I feel like we have to touch on everyone because they're just they're all names on this card so the ufc threw out their best fighters for this week yeah um tony ferguson and bobby green obviously both on the back end tony ferguson has looked absolutely horrible and it's hard because i'm a giant tony ferguson fan so it's hard to watch this decline it's tough to see his record now it's just weird to see so many losses um i mean it's hard to justify picking a fighter that's i mean what's he at five in a row i think so he has one of the longest losing streaks in the UFC. Now, Grant, I think this is a good opponent for him, though. I think Bobby Green is puts him back in a level that um, not Bobby Green's a great fighter, but I think this Ferguson's been fighting like top top notch guys in divisions. This gives him a little a chance to kind of step his way back up. Yeah, not fighting a ranked opponent, I think, is big for him. Um, he's faced some tough challenges and. Yeah. At one point, was the best matchup for Habib Nurmagomedov. So that's <laughs> could have uh, been <laughs> what could have been. Match five, though, Michael Chiesa and Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland, who I think is always retired, somehow is always on cards. So I never know what's the situation on his on his career, but he's making his fight. Dude, Kevin Holland's. I don't. I don't know. Kevin Holland. I don't know what to expect either. I don't know even what happened last. Like he was trying to like fight Masvidal, and Dana White got super salty when someone brought it up. Like I don't know. Oh, speaking of Dana White, before I forget, I don't know if it was this press conference or last press conference. I usually watch the press conferences, but someone, so one of the reporters called him out about power slap. I'm not gonna. If you don't know power slap, it's a Dana White. and UFC's not UFC, but they own this power slap sport basically. Um, and he told the reporter and doubled down on it that it had bigger social media numbers than all of the four major sports NHL, NBA, MLB, and, MB- and NFL combined. We'll roll, kinda... the clip. we'll roll the clip in here. I don't give a shit what the media says about it, they don't matter. So money-wise, it's working out, is what you're saying, basically. It's yeah. been unbelievable. Not only is it unbelievable money-wise, it's been unbelievable as far as social media goes. We're number one in all of sports. And when I say all of sports, if you take the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, F1, WWE, and who am I forgetting, and added them all together, their numbers don't compare to slaps. He uh, better show the actual stats on that. I want to see the numbers. Yeah, I'm going to roll the clip because that's what he said. And the reporter, like, called him out on it, which mo- most reporters don't do because then you'll just won't ever get to talk to him again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say about Kevin Holland. I don't I don't really know. Um, no. He has to win, I think. But Yeah, I think so, too. Um, Derek Lewis has been one of my favorite fighters to watch in recent UFC history against Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Um, Derek Lewis a little bit on of a skid, but you know he's always capable of an insane knockout when you least expect it. So never count him out. Yeah, I mean this feels like an easy fight um, to some extent for Lewis, uh, just kind of to see where he's at. Still, like it feels like a fight he should win, but if he doesn't, then what's his next step? Is he yeah? Is he on his way out? I don't know. And you know it's going to be his back if he hurts anything because it always gives him a problem, but. In the last fight that they have booked, Stephen Thompson, Michelle Pereira. Um, Dude, the Wonder fight. Boy. I love yeah. him. I love the Wonder Two Boy. Two people with incredibly unique styles uh, are capable of a knockout at any point. So the UFC, again, they just want to knock out heavy on this card. Stephen Thompson's like the happiest fighter ever. Like he just loves, he just smiles when opponents kick him in the face. And he's like, oh man, that was a good, that was really good. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> but he also said the like, boring jumping up and down and side kicking people and yeah. very karate heavy style. I mean he he beat Kevin Holland, but he doesn't he's not a super 
active fighter and he beat Kevin Holland, but grinded out. He lost decisions to Muhammad and Burns before that. And so it's not like he's he's washed yeah. up yet. He just doesn't have the most exciting fights all the time. And he competed for the title against Woodley, which was a crazy fight. Yeah. Um, he got like, it was a knockout. It was like a bar brawl almost in the yeah. in the cage back when Tyron Woodley was still a dominant force. But I mean, no, there was some there's some really big cards coming up, and we can touch on some of the other ones too. I know they announced uh, 292 also. Yeah, Sterling uh, and Sean O'Malley finally gets his title challenge. Yeah, I just think Sterling's going to take him down and Mally's not going to have an answer. Yeah, Yeah, Sterling, honestly, I didn't see this title reign coming at all. No, no, I don't think anyone did when he he basically got given the belt and was not, was getting destroyed in that fight with Jan. And not too far distantly got rocked by a Marlon Marais knee in one of the craziest knockouts ever. He basically just got stone cold, knocked down the middle of the octagon and fell straight forward. For him to go on this run and be as dominant as he has been, uh, Sean O'Malley, I don't know. That's going to be a tough one. And, you know, we're not, we'll definitely talk about some of the other fights coming up. Like, I know UFC 289, like, that's a big card, too. We're not, oh, yeah. We're not overlooking that with Nunez and Oliveira, but we'll talk about that, you know, when It'll it gets be here closer. Yes. Yeah. But quickly before we leave, um, we don't normally talk about hockey. But we're going to quickly, quickly just touch on it here. Um, So we talked about the NBA lottery, and now we're going to quickly talk about the NHL lottery. All our NHL fans out there, if you waited this entire podcast, now's the time, baby. Here we go. Yeah. Here's the moment. 15 weeks later, here it is. So, and Chase, you brought this up, uh, but Connor Bedard went to the – he didn't go to the Blackhawks yet, but he will be. (laughs) One of the biggest – you know, talk about biggest – like. Biggest NBA prospect with Victor, but now Connor Bedard, one of the biggest prospects in NHL history, and some shady kind of stuff going on too with the NHL. I don't know. Yeah, the lottery was a little weird, and the Blackhawks didn't have the best chances of getting the first overall pick. So that's why it's especially weird too. I mean, that would have been like in the NBA lottery, one of the top 10. It would have been like the Mavericks almost getting the first overall pick. You'd be like, what the hell? Yeah. Like they were pretty much bookmarked to be, you know, but just seems odd because this year they sucked. They traded away their two cornerstone or they traded away Patrick Kane, who's been a cornerstone player for them. And Jonathan Taze retired. So end of an era for them. And they somehow magically get the best player in the draft since Connor McDavid. And I don't know. I find that a little suspicious. Obviously the Blackhawks are a historical franchise, but I don't know. It's just one of those things where one of the top players and you're really excited to see where he ends up going. And it happens to be like the devils or the Blackhawks or, you know, one of these teams or. Yeah. And chase the, the Blackhawks have only had the number one overall pick one time ever. And it was in 2007 when they took Patrick Kane. Yeah, so. when the Flyers should have had the first overall pick and should have drafted Patrick Kane. But we ended up with James Van Riemsdyk, which honestly, there has been worse second overall picks. So it was just weird. They televised the event and then they didn't show any of the teams or the cards when they were actually picking. Yeah. And there and was a just... weird thing that happened when they were broadcasting it where they like kind yeah. of jumped ahead. Yeah, it was just, there was a lot of weird things. And then you just had this like random team, which like you said, Patrick Kane just retired last time first overall pick. Oh, now they get this next stud of like new crop guys who's going to be right in there with Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid. Yeah, I mean, he's ridiculous. You, if you have to pull up his stats, but he's basically doubled what they have all done in their hockey careers. I'll be honest, point. even if I look at the hockey stats, I'm not going to know if he was good. No. But just by the <laughs> numbers, you like, hockey stats. Like basically, even during his playoff series, he was putting up like multiple goals per games and assists and stuff like that. So he's an offensive dynamo. Uh, he's going to be an impact player from day one for them. And the reason I bring all this up is because the Flyers obviously sucked. They have been in a terrible position. They finally fired their head coach and their GM. So signaled that they were going to be making some changes on the horizon. And they went and did the most flyer thing possible by hiring two people who are former flyers, which is the thing they get dragged on for the most. 
So the last five years, they went outside the organization and got people, and it didn't work because they hired the two worst people outside the organization that they could have hired. And now they turn around and hire two people that they could have had other positions for, but two people who I didn't think were shoe-ins for the job considering who else is available right now currently. So for them, I still have no hope. They're owned by Comcast, a giant corporation that has seems to have no interest in the Flyers winning at all either. So they went from being some hope on the horizon to probably absolutely nothing for the next uh, three to four years. Chase, and real quick, um, just because, I mean, the, the Flyers have had pick seven before in the past. This is going to be their fifth time doing it. And there's one recent player, and then there's one notable player. And real quick, I just want to see if you can guess them. So the oh, last gosh. time they picked seven was in 2015. Do you have any idea who they picked? In 2015? Yep. And he's still on the team today. He's still on the team right now? Yep. Connect me? No. Provorov. Oh, sh- oh, okay. So, pick seven. And the first time they ever had pick seven was in 1972. Do you have any idea who that is? Very notable flyer. 1970s. Wow, this was in the heyday of the Flyers. Um, oh, yeah, it's like when they actually were, like, always good. Yeah, coming off their actual Stanley Cup runs. Um, but he's in the rafters. He is in the rafters. He's in the rafters. The rafters are loaded. <laughs> was he a goalie by chance? He's only – no, and he's only behind in points, behind Bobby Clark and Giroux. I don't know. I come, I'm blanking. Bill Barber. Oh, okay. But then they also have they also have a pick that of a guy who never played in the NHL. He took it seven. So he wow. kinda, it's gonna be like who a, was that? Who was that? Ryan Sittler in 1992. 78, they took Ken Lindsman, who was one of the bullies. A couple of years. Oh, okay. Remember him or not? No, I don't really. I thought Couturier was a top ten pick, but maybe he was like a. 14 or 15 or something. Well, these are only exactly number seven picks. Yeah, I know. For some reason, I thought he was like inside uh, the top. Okay. Ten, like, But I guess he wasn't. For a while, maybe one of the best two-way people in the NHL. I'm also starting to speak way out of my turn for the NHL, but I know that he Dar- was putting up numbers. Ryan Stiller, by the way, the guy you just talked about, his dad was Daryl Daryl Sittler. Well, he Memorable. was actually a, like he was a hockey player, but he played 15 years also with the fly, like with the Flyers, but 15 years in the NHL. Oh, Dang. classic know, Flyers move. I know Ryan Sittler retired when he was 25. So. Yeah, major injuries. It says mm, he might have played for the Hershey Bears. Actually, we don't have to dive too much into NHL right now. He's a director of youth hockey at Palm Beach Iceworks in Palm Beach, Florida, at the moment. Yes. This dad might have helped them out there. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to bring it up because I do miss watching the Flyers and I miss them being competitive. And um, I find myself watching old YouTube clips of when they were actually making the playoffs and had notable people on their team. And Mm. not that they don't now, they have talent. They're just not in a position to grow it. And I, I, I know picking seven is not the worst thing in the world. I mean, when they picked Nolan Patrick, he was number two. And number four was Kale Maker, and he's one of the best defensemen in the NHL right now. So it's not that they won't get anyone at seven. It's just I don't believe in them to pick the right person outside the number one overall pick. That's the problem. As we're wrapping this up, uh, Chase, I think you had one trivia as to, to end it. Here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I have one guess the player. Um, he's retired. I'll give you that. So okay. he last played in 2017. All right. But he has a career that went from 20, 2008 to 2017. Wait, what sport is this again? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. All right. Wait, this is a you... baseball. This is a baseball player. Oh, uh, you might. I don't know if you did or not. But <laughs> No, I did not say that. Uh, that would be helpful information. Well, well, you started giving <laughs> stats, and I was like, oh, my gosh, we're going. All right. Keep yeah. going. All right. Last played in 2017. Yeah. Actually, I'm looking at his numbers. Not nothing. Uh, he was never an all star. Never. Um, <laughs> it's getting hard. You might have to give us a team. While you're okay. At it. So he's most notably been on the St. Louis Cardinals and he was a reliever and he pitched with them from 2008 to 2014. Also, oh, he's on their World Series. Yeah, he's on the World Series teams 11 and 13. Jason Agrenhausen. No, <laughs> but you got the first name. 
Oh, here we go. <laughs> this is Eric Chavez all over again. Yeah. <laughs> you when you said Jason, I was like, oh my god, you got it right away. I'm. I don't know. Wait, was he the closer or was he just a really good reliever? Yeah, he was. I'm pretty sure he was their closer. Jason Mott. Yeah. Ooh. He had 42 saves in 2012. And oh he, my gosh. so in his career, saves wide, he is one, zero, two, nine, 42, zero, six, zero, and zero. Wow. So he popped off for that one year. The one year they didn't make the World Series. Yeah, 2012. <laughs> they finished second in the NL Central and they, they won the NL wildcard game against the Braves, won the NL division against the Nationals, and lost to the NL Championship Series to the Giants. Yeah, it was just them and the Giants back and forth. That was crazy. Yeah. I wonder if their closer was injured that year, Chase. Yeah, I don't I don't know. We'd have to Jason look. Ingrenhausen was played on the Cardinals 2002 to 2008. The reason I like kind of semi brought him up is because this happened when I was playing with him in the show like 10 years ago. So this would have been like MLB 11 or something like that. But he was in a game closing out the World Series, and I was like, money, he's going to lock it down. And he walked two batters and then hit someone and walked him the like the game-winning run. And then after it, it like said he just retired, like not due to injury or anything. And I've never seen that ever pop up in, that, in the game since then. That's but it pretty, happened that one time. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah, it was so like bizarre. I was like, what the hell? What is happening? Well, shout out to Jason Mott if you're listening to this. Yeah. Well, thanks for the trivia, Chase. And, you know, good podcast this week. Really good podcast. Yeah. Episode 15 in the books. Um, Don't forget to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. We appreciate all of you for listening. Stay tuned for next week. Ryan, Chase, Ben, see ya.